Hello, hello, and welcome back to episode seven of Heroic Stats and Any Heroic Podcast. My name's Stephen. I'm here as usual with uh, the intern John, uh, Dave, uh, the only person that actually provides any competitive insight to the podcast, Ooh. and our Lord and Savior, ruler of the GBHL. He was briefly at the top. Uh, he is just the man in charge now, Mr. Dewey Evans. Hello, hello. Say hello, Dewey. King. I, I missed my chance to cause a pandemic and win the league. Yeah, <laughs> well, you weren't in charge at that point. Um, no, you could have. Was. I assume you could have exercised your executive powers and just called the league there, but um, it wouldn't have been a very popular decision. Mm, for me, it would. Yeah, <laughs> for <laughs> for a very too. small area in uh, in uh, Wiltshire, it would have been would have been very very spectacular. Circling so, around the Chippenham area. Yeah. So for those of you who, who haven't met you, Dewey, uh, which if you compete in the GBHL uh, or go to a GBHL events or have gone to GBHL events in the last nine or ten years, uh, you should have met Dewey at some point. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How do you get into the hobby, firstly? So uh, I had a mate at primary school who had some fantasy stuff. I can't even remember what it was. Uh, so I got into fantasy. I remember having the big rats that mm. were like, and the rats and the bats and okay. the spiders for fantasy. Okay. Um, and then got into Empire and then saw Lord of the Rings and that was that. Uh, yeah. That stuff swiftly got binned or at least pushed to the side. And... Some would describe you as a fanatic. Uh, you you had an Anduril at your wedding, if I'm not. Incorrect. I was gifted an Andrew at my wedding. Yeah. Um, yeah, and cut the cake with it yeah. whilst I was <laughs> slightly inebriated. Drunk um, at a wedding? Madness. Yeah. The dr the drunkest I've been at any wedding was my own, which I think that's is the way to do it. Which yeah, is quite spectacular. Yeah. yeah. No one no one can tell you off apart from maybe one or two people. But it's a good time. So Dewey, <clears throat> you're a um you're a regular uh tournament goer. You're also a tournament organizer. Yes. You are also kind of de facto leader slash founding member of the Guardians of Wiltshire, uh who yes. do all sorts of gaming widgets. There's a Discord server, there's a Facebook group where you organize games uh yes. in Chippenham. There's also uh, a YouTube channel which sometimes gets videos when you've got time uh yeah. you're also the league coordinator as of this year or Correct. i suppose end of last year uh, which makes you my boss no start um, of start of this year let's go start of this year start of this year okay uh, that means you yeah. won't be associated with the controversy that happened on december the 29th um for anyone who's aware of that get me in the comments um so you are you you are very very involved with the hobby, aren't you? It's fair to say. Yeah, a little bit. If I didn't have this background on, you could see the chaos that is my hobby space as well. Um, yeah. So, uh, like you say, I uh, started going to tournaments in 2015. Um, 2016 started YouTube with Luke. Did some battle reports. Did some like hero spotlights. Um, that gradually faded away when I started a new job uh, and then kind of came back in lockdown. Um, obviously, nothing else to do. Um, and then, yeah, I've been running events for five years now, I think. Um, 
and then got into 3D printing. And I'm an engineer by degree. Um, so designing weapons and shields and widgets and you name it. Uh, is your job before you as rankings officer for yep. and before that I was a regional rep. Um so yeah, and then I heard Ali was stepping down and wanted to keep it in good hands um and continue the work that he was doing. So yeah, so went fully yeah. coordinator. Um have you found that to be much of a difference? I guess you're already pretty well aware of the winner workings of the committee before you took it up. Have you found yeah. the does the, uh, does the crown weigh heavy on your head? Is I guess I'm asking. Uh, sometimes, sometimes. Um, I was I was essentially Ali's right hand man anyway. Um, <laughs> the <worm> <laughs> yeah. So so uh, much of this year's rules for the GBHL I collated and and wrote up. Very um, nice. Uh, so yeah, so kind of, I've got a good grip on it all. Um, there's bits and pieces that I wasn't involved with previously, but heard of via Ali, and I've obviously had to be involved with that now. But yeah, mm. generally it's it's good. I've got a little bit more time on my hands nowadays, as Stephen is probably starting to find out. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the rankings, the rankings, and especially um, getting lists from TOs can can be taxing uh, it, it, it was more getting them all in the same format the lists that is um the rankings and entering a tournament into the spreadsheet once you get it down is pretty quick for me i got it down to like five minutes um and then yeah it was collating the lists so they were all in the same format which we've tried to rectify this year with the results submission slip but yeah so yeah, it's, well, still, it's still a work in progress, but um, it seems to be going relatively smoothly for now, at least. I think uh, I just wanted to shout this out. I know it doesn't probably doesn't get said enough, but I think um, I think it's quite a thankless task being the committee for something like this, especially in the last couple of years. It's uh, absolutely ballooned in size. So I think I just want to yeah. get out there that despite all the banter, I think you guys do a really good job overall. I think yeah, yeah. For, for the, for you're those... welcome, Dave. <laughs> Yeah. I was mostly yes. directing that at Dewey, but yeah, my fellow that. my fellow minions. Um yeah, no, for, for those who, who who haven't been around or heard the stats at the end of last year, um in the twenty twenty two season we had fifty five events and about seven hundred and fifty players. Last year we had hundred and nineteen events and thirteen hundred and fifty players. Um so it just exploded doubled um, in size yeah which meant which meant last year processes had to be refined and put in place and dealt with way differently than before um because we don't know everyone in the community anymore which is great but also it can throw up a few problems yeah well i think that's fascinating to be honest um yeah. not fascinating enough to want to actually dedicate my free time to doing it but fascinating yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think That's me and John baby. were under a weird assumption that this was a paid role. Um, <laughs> and only after being elected in unanimously, because there were no other candidates, um, did we realise that it was entirely voluntary and uh, giving up several days of our life a year to, uh, to sort things out. To be fair, I, I kind of enjoy it. Stephen, it's all, it's all right. If you do a good job this year, I'll double your pay. Okay. <laughs> two times zero is, it goes uh... on the cv boys it goes on the cv, <laughs> it goes on the CV. Uh, you just you, you joke about the cv but I that's not a joke points uh for my psychiatry further training for being involved in a national 
organization in a leadership role. Like, I, I, that's kind of a joke, but also totally not. Like, I was talking to Ali about this the other day. He was on uh, on the committee as the, the head for, what, like six years? Seven five years? Five, I think it was. Uh, I don't know when he got... I think it was, like, 2018 or something. He got elected. Yeah. It might have been the end of 2018. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive, especially now you can be like, hey, it's over over a 1,000 players, you know, organized on a, on a sort of umbrella level over 100 events in a yeah. year I and mean, that's crazy so I, I started it's impressive a new, i started a new job in the new year and in my interview i used an example of a situation i had to resolve with people from the committee stuff it's just all good stuff isn't it and, it and to find out what that situation is uh check out our patreon i was gonna say <laughs> where you, get the, you get all the tea but you have to pay yeah no, no. we won't go into that no i think that is probably smarter right shall we um <laughs> Move on to the tournament we have this weekend. It's a nice yes. segue because Dewey was heavily involved in this one. Yeah, Stephen Dewey... hasn't asked us about what hobby we've done. Yeah, I was going to say oh, we've kind damn. of we've we've damn passed it, over a hobby because we've been talking about the committee and yeah. interesting things like that. Uh, hobby talk, Stephen. What have you got up to this week? <laughs> John, our, what have you been up to? <laughs> for our Spotify listeners, Stephen just took himself off camera. <laughs> uh, I've painted up. Uh, the nine foot ring wraiths and i'm in the process of painting up nine mounted ring wraiths the named wraiths no the regular old ones just regular oh, the, um, some would call them so the um just, just for narrative play right john yeah just for just for narrative just for narrative. uh i mean to be is that the the pack of nine where you got all the nine different uh foot poses where they're like swinging their swords around and stuff yeah, mine are alternatively sourced, so all their swords are a bit wonky, and I was too lazy to <laughs> right. reheat the resin. But to yeah, be fair, so that that set is very expensive. <laughs> it's like fifty yeah. pounds for the for the nine in resin. It feels a bit much, I think, yeah. considering you're never going to need that many, apart from when you're playing Black Riders or scenarios. Or scenarios, that's true. <laughs> Forgot about the the uh, the non-competitive gamers, as I will. <laughs> continue to do so for the entirety of my my life with this game but still um, uh dave what have you been up to uh i have done nothing because i'm a little hobby dormant at the moment i am regenerating my energy to think about the lists that were for our tournaments coming up so i'm having a little break at the moment uh to focus up on there's several 700 point tournaments in a row coming up for me or in around it at the same time and i feel like it's a good opportunity to you know, take a little break now and then hit it again in a, in a month or so. Come back, do a few more tournaments, see how it. I'm feeling. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully not quit it, but, you know, let's see. Um, and yeah. Dewey, what what have you been up to hobby-wise? Have you been printing stuff? Have you been painting stuff? Have you been building stuff? All any, of, any new armies? All of the above. Uh, new armies, no. No. Oh, no, I lie. I lie. I painted up six members of the Thrones company foot-mounted. Um, for clubbles, oh, for clubbles, um, and uh, apart from that, I've been uh, finishing off a few boards for the um, terrain, uh, a few boards for the event that I ran at the weekend. So I finished three recently: uh, Dead Marshes, um, uh, a Buckland. So it's using the TT Combat um, oh. halfling stuff, and then uh, a Kerandros board. Did any of you ever play Battle for Middle Earth on PC? Yes. Do you remember the Kerandros um, level with the big oval river? Uh, I think. And it so, had yeah. like six bridges on it. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, when you say stuff like that, it means I'm going to have to cut to it in editing. Ker Andros was a key strategic foothold for the people of Gondor. You're welcome, John. Um, I can probably find you the photo really quickly. Um, and essentially I've made an oval river, so it starts corner to corner, splits into an oval, and it's got four bridges, two fords, and ruins and stuff around it. Um, so I finished that one literally last Friday. Uh, and the event was on Sunday, but also Thank printing you. tokens and objective markers for little goodie bags and stuff like that. So yeah, been yeah. busy. Um, and with that, it's probably a good segue to go on to the one and only event of the weekend. Uh, part of the reason why we've got you on the podcast. <laughs> it's Rain on the Mountain 2024. Yes. Um, so... Firstly, this was the sequel to last year's Rain on the Mountain, Correct. Uh, which quite a few of us went to, actually. I think uh, of the Any Heroics members, only two didn't attend, um, which is really, like, for us, that's really good. But it wasn't the two that you'd expect. Uh, uh, it was John that didn't go and uh, Whitefoot, uh, Jack Whitefoot, who didn't go. So I even got you my mates up from Devon. Yeah, I got I got my mates from Devon up, uh, who were in wow. Heroic. Shout out Louis, George, and Nick. Uh, I thought Louis. I was your mate from Devon in Any Heroics. Yes, you are, but you're not in <laughs> Devon, so I was at the time. <laughs> you were, yes, correct. Um, importantly, this was advertised last year as the first ever event with its own weather effects in the UK, um, and that's its. That's its USP, really. Yeah. Um, it was down in Kington Langley Village Hall, which is not too far from Chippenham, funnily enough. Nope. Uh, the TO was this man here, Dewey Evans. Uh, GBHL, 80 points, uh, 600 points, four games. Special weather effects. We'll get onto that in a second. Um, had an absolute plethora of prize support, as your events always do. We had spot prizes. We had uh, best good, best evil uh, top three good and evil uh, yep. top three in general there's also and i've got one of these trophies myself the rise of gandalf and the fall of saruman trophies uh one of the actually my favorite trophy i own is the the gandalf uh, 3d print um which is for halfway through the event you see who rises or falls the furthest from their position right. there to the final position so uh, so on so I've done, I started doing this, uh, I think, I can't remember if I did it for Rain last year, but I definitely did it for my 100. You um, did do it for Rain last year, because that's did. where I won it. Oh, is that where you got it? Excellent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so I take the halfway rankings um, and, and basically rank everyone from that point and find everyone's final ranking and find the difference. The person who got the fall of Saruman this year fell 23 places out of Not 50 bad. um and the person who won rise of gandalf find 25 places um it's what places it's a um <laughs> it's a really nice idea because it means that you're you're not shooting yourself in the foot if you win the third game and you've lost the first two so you don't miss out on wooden spoon there's always something to play for yeah. i think that's that's a really nice little touch alongside the spot prizes for first person to complete a specific part of each yeah uh, we, we also have we also have average joe so yes. whoever finishes dead middle 
Um, yeah. And I've just been tweaking rules pack for the summer. And I'm going to include, for the big events anyway, um, like a whoever's like a quarter of the way down. So like a quarter of the way down, halfway down, three quarters of the way, we'll all get a prize. Interquartile Quentin. There you go. Yeah, no. Okay. I'm going to catch on, Steve. We tried. Um, <laughs> so we will have a look at special degree. weather effects in a minute. Um, most sporting was Bradley Cottington. Uh, that, congratulations, that Bradley. Uh, <laughs> I think he's won it a couple of times before. So. He's definitely got a bunch of yeah. uh, sportings <laughs> and a, the odd wooden spoon. Yeah, so well he's been done, around a while. And best painted was again. I think he won. Um, won one. A he won of at clubbles. He won at clubbles. Yes, oh, he did win the, at clubbles. That was it. The dwarves again. It no. was the dwarves again. Oh, it was Bayorning. So, firstly, oh. boo hiss for taking Bayornings to uh, an eighty. Uh, secondly, <laughs> holy shit, these are gorgeous. They're incredible. Yeah. And every each one has their own like little little bit of style, their own little. Oh, it's, it's well, they are very nice. I I always find buildings annoying when I see that. It has to be something for me. I think buildings have to be something incredible for me to vote for them now, just because. And this is me being a curmudgeon. They're all amazing models because they're forge world, and a hundred percent forge world armies have such an edge on looking amazing. Having said that, Chris has done an absolutely fantastic job again, which isn't shocking if you've seen his other armies. They're amazing. Um, yeah. These are fantastic. I think the choices of colors are excellent here as well. Yeah, I really enjoy that. Um, yeah, but it, I wouldn't have voted for it just because booby on things. The blue, the blue theme is quite nice. Yeah, um, no, that's a great choice. That's that a my, really nice tone. My favorite part of the army is actually this, uh, which is Ooh. he's got a uh, uh, Bayorning in red, who is the beekeeper. Apparently, he's got beehives. Oh, um, he's got yeah. a beanie. And he's I was got say, a beanie. If, if you've met Chris. I don't think I've seen him without a beanie on. Yeah, I was going to say that does resemble <laughs> him actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think it's got glasses. I think that's what's going on with the eyes. I think so. Um, it's I either that so. or it's been stung a lot and is allergic to bees. I've got a lot of time as well for people that win multiple best painters with multiple different armies. It's always quite impressive when people can just churn out multiple armies to a standard that gets them best painted at events. Yeah, so five or six display boards, right, John? Different display boards. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of you who are listening in Spotify land, apologies, we will be uh, with you with uh, audio content in a second. But uh, nah, if you they do get, get a chance, to, look they at They get this. to listen to us. Gosh, that's their reward for listening this on Spotify. Gorgeous slightly alternative paint scheme for Bayon and Grim Bayon. Uh, a bit lighter than they traditionally would be, I'd say. The still phenomenal. The fur on Bayon uh, on Grim Bayon, sorry, is it's a beautiful model as it is, but my God. It's just yeah, it's incredible. This is the first like yeah. I obviously being a TO, I was running around trying to sort everything out and make sure everyone voted. So I didn't get a chance to fully look at all of these. But yeah, like the pictures when Chris sent them through to me were just phenomenal. Yeah, fantastic work. Yeah. And uh, then I he... like the the Dead Hunter Rock on Beyond Space is a nice touch as well. I think that's from the choir here, possibly. I believe Ooh. so, yes. Maybe. I don't know though. Chris's paint job is really good on Bayon, but it's still just such an ugly model. <laughs> I, was that as well. yeah. I like the way he's well painted, painted the bit around the head to make to really make really show that like for some reason the bear has like Sideburns. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he even had a little um 
a little uh, display board to go with it, including display a wow bit of terrain and everything. Oh, Fabulous. Yeah, th this is well, the labor Chris. of love, and you can really tell. Yeah. Well, I certainly um, love it. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing work, Chris. Uh, shout out to you once again. Um, hopefully, we'll see your name come up some more with some new, new different armies. Looking forward to seeing more of your work. <laughs> Steve is like, yeah, well, good job, Chris. Uh, <clears throat> chop, chop. Next chop, one. chop. <laughs> paint, paint me an army, Chris. Where's, where's your Rivendell army? I'll, I'll buy it off you. Uh, uh, I won't. I don't have enough money to pay for your paint jobs. <laughs> no, I was going to say, unless you want to give him a price, that's going to be expensive. Anyway. Um, so just very quickly, I just thought I'd run over... Um, just because it's a bit of a quirky way of running the event before we do the top lists, the weather effects. Um, <laughs> you ran it a bit different this year. You yes. ran it with four separate pools, so each pool would come up once, and yeah. then you rolled for the weather effects. Um, do you think it's fair to say, and this is this is going somewhere, yeah. that a lot of these uh, disadvantaged shooting? Uh, so. Are we going to cover the time of day beforehand? Mm, ah, we're going to cover the time of day in a in a minute. Yeah. Okay. Um. Not particularly. No. The time of day affects it more. Okay. Just because, in my opinion, the torrential rain, the rain, the black smoke, the mist and fogs, and the high winds. Uh, sorry, I've looked into what each of these effects yeah. do. Um, I'm not going to put them on the podcast because we could spend an hour. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so five out of the 12 do significantly affect shooting with either reducing range, reducing chance to hit, uh, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, just, just thought it was quite interesting. Um, for those of you who I... do want to know more about the weather effects, do go <laughs> check out the rules pack. It's on the event, which is now has been and gone. But, um, some quite interesting ideas if you were thinking about I'm very on board with scenarios. things making shooting worse <laughs> I think it raises not specifically just for this event but 80s but also other events that have kind of specific things in the rules pack that does affect army composition I think it just it just means the list you're going to see are going to be a little bit different those players that want to do well are going to have to tweak their their armies to the rules so, pack and so that's what so, the best players so, do. So you say they disadvantage shooting. The most popular army going was Lothlorien. Yeah. Um, Lothlorien's not a pure shooting army though. Yeah, but it, it's got a decent amount. Um but yeah, like across across the way there was loads of different armies. Um people had taken random stuff, people had taken stuff that they thought was quite good. People have taken stuff that was probably pretty good, but they just got it finished. So, like testing it out, that kind of thing. Um, hmm. But yeah. I can tell you now, the weather effects do affect the game. Yeah, and do make things go a little bit crazy. Um, I heard an interesting story uh, regarding Bert Leach's Theoden. Is that right? <laughs> so I can talk you through each of the games. Uh, so round one, we had blizzard uh and it was oh god what was the scenario i can't remember the scenario but it was blizzard uh then we had rain then we had lightning storm which was by far my favorite round and <laughs> then we had extreme heat um so blizzard i've got them quickly here so blizzard we uh if you any non-monster 
wearing armor or no armor reduces the movement by one. Cavalry models you use the the rider as reference, and then water terrain um, becomes open ground. But if you move across it, you roll a d6, and on the roll of a one, you're just removed as a casualty. Um, so uh, Henry Britton's Alfred um, strolled across the ice and disappeared. Um, <laughs> and there was a couple of what other. There was a couple of other. Henry's bomber also did the same, but we we did rule that you could might it. And someone else's, someone else's model walked across, and I can't remember who it was, but had to might it as well. Um, rain just reduces um, shooting attacks, and uh, shallow water becomes difficult terrain, and you need a swim test, that kind of stuff. Lightning storm was essentially a twenty-five mil marker that people um, that the players rolled a d6 for that was the number of lightning strikes then they alternated who <laughs> got to place the marker and then we had a scatter dice and a d6 and it went that direction um i didn't quite realize how often you'd get direct hits which is a third of the time with a scatter dice um yeah. <laughs> so so the main things that happened alfred got zapped again um henry's alfred got zapped by lightning and died <laughs> um <laughs> then uh -oh. Sean's Mummock War Leader got hit five times directly across his game and died. Um, <laughs> and then Bert Leach's Theoden got hit three turns in a row directly, or three like lightnings in a row directly, and took a wound every time and failed to make it to combat. What's the damage of the lightning strike? Strength, uh, five. strength five. Oh. <laughs> to everything under the marker. So well, that's, so, I mean. But it's only a 25 mil marker. Yeah, but he's um, D7 as well. So that yeah. three in a row is pretty unlucky. Yeah, absolutely. And it was <laughs> he was in the corner of the room and I could just hear giggling from them the whole time. Um but yeah, it was but it was command the battlefield as well, I remember on that one. So people were like trying to use lightning to get people off board quarters as well, which was quite funny. But if it oh. was like a smash in the middle, it could have just been absolute chaos. Um and then for the last one we had extreme heat, which is just kind of the opposite of blizzard so if you're wearing heavy armor dwarf armor or heavy dwarf armor you remove reduce your movement by one and then if you're outside of um eight inches and line of sight of a friendly model you roll a dice on a five plus you must travel towards that nearest friendly model as quickly as possible so it's like you're kind of lost in the mirage so wow um, that's harsh yeah um it was I, a it, you have to it's... send models off in pairs yeah, there was someone who it was seized the prize, and their Thrandall got the prize and darted off, and then had to come back, um, <laughs> which is quite amusing. Oh dear! It's very cool to see a tournament which really takes the the, fle the competitive flexibility of an eighty, by which I mean, it's a chill event. You're there to have laughs and have fun, and it does this with it, which is makes interesting new rules, different ways to build your army, and then adds just. An absolute slew of chaos with things like lightning bolts. Um, the, the lightning round, I was I was giggling every time I was walking around all the players because people were just like, "This is insane!" Because people clumped up. Yeah, people clumped up, and one lightning bolt hit the middle, and then the next time I walked past, all of their models were like at least an inch and a half apart from each other. <laughs> <laughs> it was just hilarious. Um, you did also have a dawn and dusk feature. Um, yes. So game one, roll a d6, add three to the dice score. That's how many turns will be played at night time for the first time of the game. That's you then essentially play those turns under the clash by moonlight darkness rules. Right. Uh, 
similar but in reverse for game three dusk uh roll a d6 uh add three those are the number of turns that we played at daytime and then game four is always under the effects of uh the dark of night special rule yeah uh, that's the only one which can be clash of moon flash by moonlight so again yeah. um so we had, we had for people to think we actually about. had like way more night than i thought we would or that we did last year anyway we had eight turns of darkness for dawn and then only four turns of daylight for dusk um so yeah the majority of the four uh, games were played at night goblins op yeah goblins op ish <laughs> nighttime mirages what's going on there Dewey? <laughs> so uh probably a good good way to get onto the podium list which yes. of course we're expecting lots of goblins Indeed. and not much shooting because uh shooting was you know nerfed right uh so third place uh mr elliot harry uh serpent horde and far harad 38 models Ooh. total of which he has 12 bows um so first of all he's got Suladan, everyone's favorite model at the moment uh on armored horse uh three warriors with bow three warriors with spear and bow four serpent guard one serpent rider two watchers of karna with twin blades then he has raza fang of a serpent uh, four warriors with bow, two with bow and spear, four serpent guard, a serpent rider, and a watcher of kind of the twin blades. And then you had a Mahud king, Mahud king strong on. Uh, I was about to say on war spear, uh, on war camel with war Maybe spear later. and shield. <laughs> four Mahud warriors with blowpipes, four Mahud warriors with blowpipes and spear, and two raiders with war spear and blowpipe. Decent. Yeah. Now this so... immediately <laughs> reminds me of you, Dewey. <laughs> I was going to say, Dewey's grinning like a maniac here. I've yeah. seen you run something extremely similar to this at 650, but you used the Betrayer instead of Raza. Correct. Um, um, which is fairly, fairly lit. I think uh, Suladan and Mahud King is immediately a great combo because yeah. you've got two combat chunky beaters, two strikes, two fight five, two three attack models. And Suladan coming with March built in just makes building everything so much easier. One of the reasons why he's so versatile, and I'll die on that hill. Because having March on your already extremely versatile piece makes him amazing. Obviously, doesn't quite work the same when he has to be a leader. Um, but I like this list a lot. Triple strikes, three three attack heroes, lots of models, yeah. lots of shooting. Yeah. Uh, strength four warriors. The only basically the main problem with it is it's all a bit tissue thin. You know, you get yeah a couple of bad, bad turns. Turn. Yeah. yeah, you can all fall apart. However. Yeah, ideally you will have softened them up enough and you've got your three heroes who can bolster the line pretty hard yeah I like yeah it. so so yeah this this is kind of so elliot is is one of my guardians um he's on our team for this year um and we he spoke to me quite a lot pre before any event not necessarily this one um about this kind of stuff and this is the list he's recently finished as in painting and building um and yeah it's very similar to what i'd run at 600 yeah i if not if not the same um i'm 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 currently toying around with the idea of of splitting of not taking any farhad um and and going pure serpent horde um but yeah it's it's good We've just lost our competitive legitimacy. I'm sure he'll be back. <laughs> um, I think what this list does really well 
in the uh, rain event is knowing there's going to be darkness and knowing <laughs> there's going to be uh, a lot of times where you're shooting is only 12 inch effective. Why not get some blow pipes? Absolutely. Where you can move half and still shoot people with plus one to wound, re-rolling once. Um, you've got some of that mounted. Uh, and then you've still got a shit ton of bows, which 12 bows at 600 points is nothing to laugh at. Um, so yeah, the 12-inch range threat here is is significant. And essentially your opponent has to come to you and then you suddenly got a bunch of Mahud who are pretty choppy um, and a bunch of other a bunch of other models to just to just cut through you. Yeah, the solid. The ra yeah. the raiders specifically are very good anti hero pieces. Yeah. Um, when that hero is mounted, because you I just hate like those camels. <laughs> you just like cool with a passion. Camel, go strength four. His horse, please. Yeah, fifty fifty. You lose. You know your Gilgalad horse, your Elrond horse. I'll try and not name an elf hero. Um, you know your Imrahil Glorfindel horse. horse. Not Glorfindel horse because he's got um horse lord, but yeah. Yeah, no, I've, still I've good used, to get fair, yeah. but but yeah, I, I've used camels to take Gulliver down to two uh, two wounds before combat even happened. Yeah. Before, I've I've even killed Barlin within Baylor hits. <laughs> They're really, I really rate them. They are expensive, but they they pop off. They really do. They pop off. The thing is, if you if you give them the blowpipe, you actually have a very very good skirmish ability. Yeah. Um. Especially against other cavalry, because you're like, cool, I'll sit ten and a half away and I'll blowpipe your horse, or try and blowpipe your horse, and then if that doesn't work, I'll just charge you. I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, Tom Patterson took a heavy Mahud camel list with lots he, of blowpipes for a similar reason. He got terrain. Yeah. He took Suladan, Betrayer on Felbeast, and a Mahud King, and then he had like five camels five serpent riders and five raiders it was yeah. something along those lines it was a big kitey boy anyway uh moving on from this uh feast of i'm gonna say ranged weapons uh let's move on to something with uh a little bit fewer ranged weapons just kidding it's <laughs> theodra's guard uh second place alex richardson um I assume this is the same guy who won. Man of the West, West. extraordinary. Yes, uh, absolute Giga Chad. We were talking about him last week on the podcast. Um, he's taken Thedra's Guard, a 36 model list with nine bows. He has, of course, got Thedrid uh, on horse with shield. Four warriors of Rohan, uh, all Hedman Gas with throwing spear and shield. Four Rohan Royal Guard with throwing spears. A Rohan Royal Guard on horse with throwing spears. Three outriders. And he's got Elf Helm on horse with three Helming Guests with throwing spears and shield, three Rohan Royal Guard with throwing spears, a Rohan Royal Guard with throwing spears and horse, and three Outriders. And he's got Grimbold uh, with no horse, because obviously he can't take a horse. FAQ it, please. Uh, four Warriors of Rohan with Helming throwing spear and shield, one Warrior of Rohan with Helming banner and throwing spear, and three Royal Guard with throwing spear, and three more Rohan Outriders. Uh, it's, again, playing on that 12-inch bubble where you're going to get the plus one to wound in three of the games. That's what I'm looking at here. Lots of throwing mm. spears. And I mean... Swarm Protector. And... Guards. Yeah. At 600 Solid. Points, it slaps. 
the main six fifty is it caps out. If you don't take the captain, it caps out pretty hard at six fifty. Or you can opt to take a captain over Elfhelm. Mm. Um, I think Grimbold is mandatory just be- well above a certain point because he brings a strength four from yeah. the warriors upgrade. Um, but yeah, this is how you play this list basically: just max out troops, max out throwing spears. It's a solid list. The only thing that's missing is the march, and again, that's just a choice. Is, yeah, is Sacred really 95 points on Horse with Shield? With the Shield, yeah. Yes. He's so cheap. I know he goes down like a sack of potatoes, but my God. <laughs> That's probably why he's so he, cheap. He's a excellent ally in soupy lists because he yes. hits like a truck, even without the army bonus. Him and Boromir of Gondor are best buds in that regard. Yeah, the reroll to wounds is very good. Oh. But like you say, whenever I whenever I build a list, if I don't have March, I always have always try to think of a way I would kind of mitigate it. And having all the throwing spears is exactly that. Mm. You can just you can threaten like a fourteen fourteen inch range, um, and you've just got to plan a bit further ahead. Yeah, I really rate Elfhelm. Um, I think he's really good. I know a lot of people don't like him, which is fair. I think he's cool. But I think he's cool. He's that ability to almost camel like to take out a hero's horse who you don't want to be fighting otherwise. Like you look at your um I don't know, uh Helm's guard, you take out Helm Hammerham's horse with an elf helm throwing spear. Sure he's got horse lord. But suddenly you're laughing because you're like, Well, that hero's suddenly far less of a threat. Um I don't really know where this list falls apart. Is it on the the fact that it's got a a lock D five? Is that is that the main issue here? Because the numbers it's, are solid. It's got quite a lot of royal guard in there. Yeah. I was gonna say it's plenty of royal guard. He's got like ten on foot. It's not fabulous, but like it's solid in terms of defense. Like you can alternate who you put on the front, depending on what kind of shooting you're facing. Yeah, and I guess it can he's all got... spare support. He's got a couple of uh, non-hero cav models for objective grabbing. The Rohan mm-hmm. Royal Guard, I really rate them for their ability to just say, I'll just go sit over here. Um, although having said that, in this list, everything has bodyguard. So, <laughs> yeah. Does he not have a banner? He does yes, in the final warband. Actually, that is one thing I, I would know. Oh, yeah, I'd always... Go put that in Theodred's warband personally just because I'd rather have it with a leader's warband but that's just me. Doesn't um, really make a difference I guess. It doesn't make a hell of a lot of difference except in mail. So I think my internet my internet was getting all crappy when you were explaining the list. That's right. I just assumed I'd know it all. John, any thoughts? I played something very similar at 600. I say very similar. I played um, Helmsguard at 600 points at the GP. <clears throat> similar sort of build um Lots of kind of royal guard, lots of throwing spears, and it just ate through hunter orcs. Even mm-hmm. taking out Helm's horse pretty quick. He he is obviously more killy than Theodred, but this list has kind of a bit more utility with the other heroes versus um, just two kind of basic captains. I think it is quite a good list. I think you hit the nail on the head. There isn't really a a clear and obvious weakness. It's it's just a really solid list. It's got kind of a point of difference that million throwing spears against certain lists yeah it's it's got a decent chunk of fight four it's not exceptional but it's not bad across the kind of troops decent chunk of fight six it's just a pretty good all-round list i think 
I, th- I think no, it's fine. I think it's one of no. these master of like jack of all, master of none. Um. Yeah, I I think it, in terms of legions, it's an all rounder. It has the main niche, which is it has the throwing spear spam. I think I rate it slightly higher than Helm's Guard because Helm this is more dispersed, and I think the Helmingus upgrade, which Helm's Guard don't get ironically, um, is really good. Strength four troops is amazing. Yeah, for good as well. Yeah, being part of the exclusive strength four club um, for the. Four good profiles that get it. It's Helming not very many troops. Dwarf, dwarf, dwarf. It's, yeah. it's, it's mostly dwarves and then uh, Bionings, which is a bit different. Yeah. Um, is also have axes, which is nice. Yeah, the option to get up to strength five in a situation where you know maybe you will die, but maybe a hero charges in and you go, well, I might as well piercing strike. Yeah, um, I mean, good. Because if I lose the fight, I'm dying. Um, and suddenly they've got to spend might to win the combat because otherwise you might kill them. Or. Mm. You know, wound them. Great um, for piling onto D seven heroes. Yes. As well. Yeah. Yeah, just all a right, very we... solid list all around. Let's let's move on to first place, Mr. Ewan Williams. It's mm. another one of your boys, Dewey. Yep. At your revenge. <laughs> Some would call Greg. that a fix. Um so this is a Defenders of Helm's Deep Legendary Legion list. Uh five hundred and ninety nine points. Boo, not making use of all of his points. Thirty one models, ten bows. Uh, he has, of course, Theoden, King of Rohan, with heavy armor and shield. Halleth, son of Hammer, who is basically an auto-include, I believe. Uh, three warriors of Rohan with shield and throwing spear. Three Rohan royal guard throwing spears. And three Galathrin warrior with elf bow and spear. Uh, Gamling, captain of Rohan with the royal standard of Rohan. Six warriors of Rohan with throwing spear and shield. Three Galathrin warrior with elf bow and spear. And Gimli with six warriors of Rohan with throwing spear and shield. And three Galathrin warrior with elf bow and spear. So again, we're looking at a lot of throwing spears. That's 18 in total. We've got a good amount of bows, uh, 10 bows. And uh, we've also got Gimli's throwing weapons. Can't forget those. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm trying to look I at like somewhere it. where he could have spent one more point. I tell you what he should have done. He should have swapped a Galadrian Warrior's uh, hand and a half sword for a club just for Bants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lose that elven yeah, no, uh, it, There isn't anywhere to spend with the way, other than rejigging the Warriors and stuff, there's nothing he can spend no. it on. No, exactly. He could have um, dropped a throwing spear and upgraded a model or something like that. But that, yeah, that's, I don't. Uh, I don't know if he's got any more royal guard on foot. I was going to say if he if he dropped a warrior of Rohan or dropped a throwing spear off of a model, he could have then made one of his warriors of Rohan into a a royal guard. But yeah. it's not really that so important to do that. We've seen two first place and second place both kind of throwing spear spam lists. Dave, how do you kind of approach kind of lists that are spamming that kind of eight inch kind of scary wall of sticks uh good armies can't shoot into combat is the main thing um and throwing spear spam armies are all good armies because they're all well i mean you can have wild riders but they they don't really do this um so if you have their threat inches that's especially a list like this i mean he's got nine bows which is annoying but it's not at the end of the world um so he's going to be 
uh, trying to get into range or he's going to be holding back and peppering you waiting for you to get into range if you have any cavalry or like in, like fell wargs or wild wargs are good at this things you can throw away and be like okay you you march up towards him or run up you stay outside of eight and then when you actually want to fight you chuck in your chuck in your cav in a way where it's in front of half of his army they're gonna die he's gonna kill them but you get to walk into range safely while he can't shoot past you. That's good for dealing with shooting armies in general, if you have the opportunity. Anything in combat, no good model can shoot if it's in the way. So you can use your the model to your advantage and put it sideways, all this kind of stuff, you know? Just Spider- make it so that they can't shoot you. Spider Queen's very good for that. Spider Queen is decent at that. The Watcher in the Water is hilariously good at that because the tentacles are massive and they don't, <laughs> they yes. don't tails or wings. So if you happen to be fighting a model nothing can shoot past any of the watchers entire massive frame if it's a good a good model which is something i've done to my advantage in the past um yeah it's i I think obviously blinding light and pole of darkness are excellent here and also d6 is great versus throwing spear armies if you don't have d6 you're gonna have a bad time probably yeah um but yeah that that's a I think Gimli is an interesting choice. People tend to go for Legolas, I think. Go hard I, in the shooting. I think I, Gimli beats think, hard, which is cool. I think maybe the reason not Legolas is you've got a guaranteed night time and you've yeah. got two games where you've yeah. got guaranteed additional turns of night. So the I agree that it's probably not isn't. yeah. It's probably not the most sensible choice at this tournament. Um I just commenting on it. Um yeah. this is going for the standard Haleth for the infinite moves build, get the fight value. Um, I don't know if I'd have built it this way, but I think it's an interesting build. I think I might have gone for something a little different, try and get some more bodies down. Yeah, 31 so, seems a little low to me. At um, 600, it's probably but, bare bones, yeah. Yeah, especially when you're when you're pretty much all D5. Um, yeah, he doesn't have much in the way of um, Royal Guard. He's only got three in there. Yeah. I, I think, and I know I've spoken to other people about this, and... and they pick Gimli over Legolas because it means you don't have to throw Thedon into big stuff, um, which is always I mean, quite useful. Legolas can also do that, to be fair. Legolas is exactly yeah. as good in just fighting with strike. Gimli, Gimli, being, to go two-handed, but... Gimli being D8, I think, is the other thing. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Which is, which is a... I wouldn't why. say you're wrong. You're not going to get Aragorn in at these points, really. Um, no. And do you ever really want Aragorn? Yeah. Uh, I think if you go big, big with it, you can do. But I probably wouldn't. I think it's either a spam list or it's a something a bit like this kind of list. I think my favorite version is just turbo throwing spear spam. Yeah. Like I saw yeah. 57, 57 models in this list at eight hundred points once. <laughs> Which was nasty. You had like eighteen elf bows, including uh, Legolas, and then everything else was throwing spears. WTC. It was at the Polish team championships, yeah. It was at the Polish team uh, he didn't take any shield. He didn't take the, no. uh, the, the banner. <laughs> he took a banner, but not the royal standard because he was saving all the points he could. Um, Legolas yeah. and insane amount of uh, elves. No spears on the elves or anything. It was literally like shaving all yeah. the points off where you can. You're giving Bert terrifying, terrifying ideas. <laughs> Bad information. No, Bert wouldn't do that. He doesn't. He likes his royal guard too much. <laughs> I mean, Bert's just a fluff player at the end of the day. 
So. <laughs> yeah, also that. Doesn't, that, that list doesn't like, if you run into elves <laughs> with blinding light in D6, it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, my uh, Fight 6 Kingsguard block with Kieran behind it says hi. Um, yeah. Moving on from uh, Rain on the Mountains, uh, congratulations for another very well run yeah. event, Dewey. Uh, well, sold well, out. Oh, sorry, saw... well done, Ewan, as well. I should yeah, say. well done, Ewan, obviously, you know. You got first place. Well done. Uh, saw some lovely videos of the terrain. Um, I think that's one of the things that really is outstanding at your events, especially, is the quality and quantity of terrain on the boards. Um, even Adam Searens <laughs> would say that it's it, it's up to scratch. It really is. Uh, if you haven't seen Still a Garden right. Archer event, um, at least check out photos on Facebook because that is how terrain should be. Apart from that one cursed uh, elf board with the walkways, uh, we don't use the walkways. No, I know, not anymore. We don't use. The I walkways. played three games at one tournament on that, and it was yeah. Um... No, we don't use the walkways anymore. <laughs> uh, the dark times. The dark times. Still a but good you, tournament, though. But yeah, no, we've we've got twenty three boards complete at the moment, and we're yeah. planning to add some more. Um, but yeah, they're all themed around. Uh, I was going to say. I remember last year you had cards along the side saying this is what the theme of the board is, yeah. which was also really nice to read, um, especially at this kind of event where people aren't going to, you know, crush yeah. the skulls of their enemies. They're going for, a, for an extra good time. Yeah, um, no, I haven't done that this year, but uh, yeah, we're, we're ever expanding. Moving on. We had an FAQ last week. It was mm. only an itsy-bitsy FAQ. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware... Uh, in Middle Earth, if you're listening from another gaming system, uh, we get a uh, six-month uh, update on the game uh, where we get any uh, queries, rules queries, etc. updated uh, from our Lord and Saviour, Jay Clare, uh, and his team. Uh, you can, of course, submit your own FAQs uh, to the email address found wherever the hell it is. Uh, it's on the document for the FAQs. Um, it was a bit of a smaller one this uh mm. this time round only um, four of the documents were modified which is only four sure. yeah yeah which made my life a lot easier um but yeah let's just go through a few it's lightning round bits. it lightning round don't take too Bosh. long chit chat for too long can an ent bludgeon a model riding a monster no, no it's a monster can hurl it can hurl it great. but of course it can't bludgeon it because it's not a man-sized model it's a monster yeah, sized model. Well, that'd be silly. No, the question there, I guess, is the Inbring Wraith itself is. Yeah, no, I I know. It's I know. Size, but I, I, it's good to clarify that. If if you Slightly are looking odd. to dismount a ring wraith uh, or rally on eagle, just hurl. Hurl them, yeah. If you're if you're playing Ents into uh, ring wraith on Felbeast, you're probably having a great time anyway. So you know. well, I mean, yeah, you've got you've got the Ent special yeah. rules. They're amazing against uh, uh, wraiths. Next cool. FAQ. The Dragon Emperor of Rune, the big one. Change yeah, the Dragon Emperor one. of Rune's points value to 200 brackets from 170, both on his profile and in the host of the Dragon Emperor Legendary Legion yeah. on page 93. I, I think, think this is the big one coming. everyone was wanting. Uh, well, not everyone was wanting, but everyone was foreseeing some kind of change. Um, well, I think 200 points is fine for what he offers, frankly. Yeah. It's, it's when you decent. compare him to it's not bad that's not bad at all that's perfectly fine it's no longer obviously too cheap i would yeah. say um i think that's probably about what i thought it should be um 
considering something like Boromir is still more expensive and offers similar, lesser powerful effects. Obviously, he's a better fighter in terms of six might, but still, he doesn't get a lot of the bonuses that uh, the Emperor does. So I think it's a fair price point comparison to sort of start with. I think it's fine. I think that's going to affect Dragon Emperor Legendary Legion primarily at about 700 points and below, which is was already not its optimal operating level. I think once you get to 800, you probably won't even notice. Below 800, you will, though, I think. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's fair. It's the simplest change they can make without changing any of the special rules, which is what makes the Legendary Legion interesting and cool. Because if they yeah. took away the three black dragons and walked around with that, again, that's then the Legion rule is just you get re-rolls for yeah, heroes, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah that's, that's I, I think... Cool design changes should always be not to remove the special idea of the legion but to reduce the power slightly if it is yeah i think the only thing that really made sense to me in terms of like something realistic was either this points buff white bump or cut the banner to a six inch banner which is still great but it stops it from being insane um yeah the amount of times i've been like i mean you know, times I've been like, oh, it's your Dragon Emperor in banner range, and then yep. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it's literally half the width of the board, <laughs> of course it it's is. It's like Harbinger <laughs> of Evil, like Harbinger of Evil is absolutely enormous. Yes. It's yeah. like, 12-inch bubbles are huge, it's it's fine, but it's also like, yeah, it, of course it's in range. He's got mm-hmm. an 80mm base and a 12-inch bubble. But yeah, th- this is fine. I think the Dragon Emperor Legion itself needed uh, hitting slightly, maybe. Yeah. I, I th- I think just stopping it from being like hoardy and also extremely elite help a little bit helps. Just yeah. this is going to be practically four less models or two less cav at uh, eight hundred points, which is yeah. enough to make it a bit less spicy. Was say, it, it was the fa- it was the fact you could still get to low forties with a D six five five armor. You could it's, get uh, mental. You could get the main three heroes: Emperor Rutabi, Dragon. Uh, sorry, not Dragon Knight, Broger, and uh, 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 Captain. Uh, a smattering, you know, axe-armed acolytes at the front, and then a smattering of cav, including the drum. It, it just was too much. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it's not too much. I think it was just about okay. It wasn't obviously overpowered, which, by the way, I think is interesting that this was singled out for a nerf and nothing else was. Um, but I think that's reasonable. I think a lot of the time, the things that get focused on and nerfed are the things that people complain about the most and the dragon emperor has had a lot of complaining done about it since uh since it was released in 2022 it is it has been often toted as a uh relatively plug and play list whereas some of the other things that are meta at the moment or meta oh. at the moment potentially require a bit more nuance and skill what would we know about meta but, or nuance or skill exactly um moving on to the next faq point if an Ent model targets the Dragon Emperor with a bludgeoned Brutal Parasite while he's riding the Royal Palanquin, will he automatically be dismounted? Yes. This is it's the real funny. Dragon Emperor nerf. That's what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> Finally, Ents will reign supreme. Ents now, interestingly, response, interestingly enough, you can bludgeon him off of his uh, Palanquin. You can't hurl him. If you have the chance yeah. to do either, you take him off the Palanquin. Doesn't matter how you do well, it. Well, obviously, but the fact that you can pick him up and hit him, hit other things with him, but you can't pick him up and hurl him. Yeah, I mean, basically, Emperor still has a lot of. Honestly, he has so many more questions <laughs> that could do with being answered. But I mean, I'm 
glad that this one's clarified because the other alternative is that he picks up the Emperor, smashes things with it, and then puts him back on his palanquin yeah. when he's done there smacking him go. around, which your, is your just too funny to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Will this be seen as a counter to the Dragon Emperor Legendary Legion? No. Absolutely no. not. And so... Can uh, you imagine? There are... There are four fun list for sure. Yeah, Unless four fun list, they've got a legendary legion list. at some point, in which case they might become good ally of the Bionics. Yeah. Um, in the Fog of War scenario, do players secretly write their objectives down before or after deployment? After deployment. Now, this isn't a change. This is always how it was, but it's good to have this clarified. I do find it kind of strange that this mentions specifically Fog of War when there are multiple other missions that do this. There's assassination yeah. as well, for example. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It, it's... It, sets a pre- it sets a precedent. It though. sets a precedent, but... It's one of these things that people find. This, yeah. this is one of the things people find annoying about the FAQs is they'll set precedents by talking about one specific situation, and that, like, you know, this could have been phrased uh, in scenarios where you have to pick secret secret missions after the deployment. So when does that happen before or after deployment? It didn't have yeah. to be specifically about fog of war, yeah. but I mean, again, I think if anyone argues that that doesn't apply for assassination or, for example, picking like Raz's target. It, you need to have give your head a wobble because yeah. what the hell are yeah. you been doing? Yeah, um, I mean that's how it was played generally anyway. But it's good practice to have that in the FAQ. I think if a model has two weapons such as a dragon cart acolyte or a corsair reaver and wishes to swap them from a different type of weapon for one point, can they only swap one and therefore use their original special strike and the one for the new weapon? No. If you yeah. swap weapons, you swap weapons. I mean that's interesting. I don't think it changes anything really. Generally, when people are swapping to axes, it's because they want axes, not because they want axes and swords. Yeah, yeah. this but... is this is this is really uh, just a buff for uh, Iron Guard, right? No, <laughs> no, it's enough for Iron Guard for the same reason it's enough for everything else. Although it's it's not a particularly big nerf. It just well, actually, it didn't matter for Iron Guard anyway because when they're in the army burn, when they have their army burners, they reroll ones anyway, so they never needed their swords. Yeah, I'm referring probably. to swapping swords to axes on Iron Guard because yeah. they have throwing axes that look awful lot like hand axes. Yeah, which they can't use in melee combat. Uh, next, uh, can a model be deployed in or on a piece of terrain that would make it impossible for other models to reach them during the course of the game, such as on top of a pillar? Blah 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 blah. No, if you do this That's in your games, it. you're a prick. Or this is an interesting one. You're very competitive. Well, it's I mean, deployed. for me, That's... yeah. That's the well, the, and it doesn't say about FAQ, uh, objectives either. Yeah. Well, if you can't get there, it stands to reason that you couldn't get there without being deployed on there, I guess. Uh, the interesting thing to me is it says impossible for other models to reach, but it's like, what if flyers are on the board? What if yeah. like, anywhere is possible for a flyer to reach? Right? If you have a flyer on your on your side, can you therefore deploy on top of buildings because you have a flyer and therefore something can reach it? Yeah, uh, that's... <laughs> You've opened up a can uh, of words here. <laughs> I like the I like the idea, which is to say, trying to stop the point of, um, they like to talk about common sense. This isn't clear, but I think it's pretty clear that if you're even going to mention it, flyers kind of have to not be brought into the picture. Yeah, yeah. to be honest, because otherwise there isn't anywhere. Yeah. Um. So I think yeah, it basically don't deploy on things that you can't climb on top of. Yeah, That's that is the game. intention behind this FAQ. Yes, That's what I would they say should that have with, com- with confidence. Yeah. I think um, it's a position issue that things are written slightly vaguely, but I think that's pretty clear what that is intended to do. Yeah. Uh, 
In scenarios that allow models to exit the board, can the model exit the board via means other than its own movement, such as backing away, being commanded, compelled, hurled, flung back by a siege engine, or any other instance? No. Yeah, Simple this as. isn't surprising. You can't throw people's models off the board. <laughs> That'd yeah. be funny. They're like, all right, Bard, you're giving too many bonuses. Off the board with you. Yeah. Yeet. Yeet. Uh, right, can Bard come back? No, he went no. one centimeter off the board. He's, and he's off gone the board. forever. <laughs> uh, similarly, uh, in, a, in a very similar vein, uh, can like this. You, this is interesting. Can you move through a model's control zone in order to exit a board, essentially? So yeah, if so your this... movement to leave the board would take you through a control zone, can you just leave the board? No. Now this logically follows. This is a good example of an FAQ where it's like this is something that logically follows, but also you could there could be an argument that you know as soon as you touch the board s you just blip out of existence yeah which obviously is kind of ridiculous when you think about what's actually happening yeah. yeah but it means that you can't like wheel through a model so if say there's two models left one one guy holding a three inch gap blocking the board edge or two and a half inch gap one guy trying to run off the board and recon it's the make or break you can't like charge that model with the control zone and wheel into the board edge and then consider it to have escaped you still have to complete the charge as soon as you enter the control zone which i think is uh uh cool it's good yeah that's useful good clarification change. not really I a think. change actually i think it's good to clarify that's a good example yeah. of an faq i think yeah because that's something that could happen or albeit niche we're moving on to a few uh more ones which i would say most people already played this way anyway but mm. uh, again clarifications potentially for newer players coming from different systems if a model begins its move within an enemy model's control zone and chooses to move away, can the model moving away still charge a different enemy model? Yes. Yes, it can. I think I've never met someone who doesn't play it this way, but that I was... could see why you potentially might read it this way. I've, I think people I've sometimes explained misunderstand to... control zones. Yeah, I've explained this to a few people before. Um, yeah. But once you explain it once, people are like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh, hang on a sec. If a cavalry model has the fortified spirit magical power cast on it, does the mount also gain the benefits? Yes. Uh, it specifically says the model gains the benefits. Similarly, with resistance to magic uh, for Dernhelm, the model has the special rule, and therefore the entire model gains the benefits. So, yes. yeah. This is uh, sad news for any Black Dart enjoyers. No, because uh, it was always this way. This has always <laughs> how it's worked, yeah. 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 Uh, Shout out uh, to the Black Dart change back whenever it was FAQ'd to say that you could just target a horse and not get it resisted. In interesting point about uh, Glorfindel. I was wondering about how the uh, the unbending resolve rule worked. Um, he counts... Glorfindel always counts as having had the Fortify Spirit Magical Power cast upon him. Doesn't actually mention the model, but I guess that's implied... Yeah, well, you cast on Glorfindel the model, don't you? One of his bits of war gear is Asphalos or his horse. Yeah. Yeah. Although, Fair if you're enough. taking a horse on Glorfindel instead of Asphalos. No, Glorfindel can't have a horse. I. No, he. Are you thinking of Arwen? Arwen can have either. Oh, okay. Glorfindel I... can only have Asphalos. So, well, if you're having go. both, you have to have a horse on Arwen. He gets Chad precedent, I guess. Uh, in terms of edit that yeah. bit out because I sounded wrong. <laughs> This is like you trying to unmask un yes, the intern all over again. <laughs> <laughs> um, if a model has its melee weapons shattered by the shatter special rule, does it still count as unarmed? Yes. You can't use a bow as a melee weapon. Which is funny, because I'm pretty sure he does in the movie, but that's all right. 
I think yeah. that's a good. Pre- I think that's a fine precedent. This is like trying to shatter all of Dwalin's axes or all of Dwalin's weapons. Yeah, so, there was. I saw he some has like four. <laughs> I saw some comments on the FAQ saying I'd hate to be the TO who was caught out ruling it this way, um, or was pressured into ruling it this way. I, if you were playing like this, what? You watched the movie. All right, shut up. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the last FAQ question. Yeah. Uh, if it's going to come up, pairing off fights again. Yeah. This is a clarification that everyone was already playing it a certain way, and then recently there's been a wave of players who've gone, "Oh, hang on a second, and potentially overread the rule. So, um, page twenty-eight, delete the third sentence of the second paragraph, which reads, "At the end of the move phase, opponents are always paired off into one-on-one fights where possible." Yeah. See, I think it's interesting you say that people are always playing it that way. I think this has been a case of. Possibly rules getting copied over in a strange way from previous editions because there have been situations where that's happened before where they've changed something but it, a previous part of the book refers to something that is no longer there. Mm. Uh, this specifies pretty unambiguously that you must always pair off fights into one-on-one fights where possible. Um, and and uh, there's a bit in the later in this segment which says the person with priority dictates who's fighting who and those things seem to sort of contradict each other other than situations where um one person has three models one person has two and one of them is touching both um this essentially gives removes this class this uh, section saying you must do one-on-one fights and allows the person with priority to essentially have full control uh to pair fights wherever they want it's very what you're niche. saying is it's a massive buff for Barlin. Uh, Pits of Dolgaldur and Elrond. Yes. <laughs> and also Thraw. And also Thraw. And Durin. And, and Durin, sorry. Jesus, learn all your priority rerolls. Saruman. All right. Saruman. <laughs> and Alantis. good players in scenario play. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, like, like Fun was just about to say. Uh, it's it's pretty niche. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. happen all that often. It doesn't come up much because multi fights where there's actually a serious oh. amount of choice very uncommon. Yeah. Sorry, Dave, we lost you there. Multi fights where there's actually any meaningful choice, there's basically doesn't happen. There's like yeah. very very occasionally. Yeah. And um, just to clarify, why Stephen was saying that's good for those models in particular is because they all get some bonuses to controlling priority and yeah in a certain yeah. niche scenarios kind of having priority means you get to pick the fights and you're less limited now with this faq i was mostly memeing uh if you're taking elrond specifically memeing. for this uh faq'd role <laughs> uh, i respect you a lot uh but not for the right reasons um, elrond's foresight quest- points are pretty powerful question for john you're yeah. the newest player out of us yeah. Were there any of those that surprised you or changed the way you thought the game was played? Um, so the pairing of fights thing is actually a conversation I'd had with Stephen and Dave previously. My interpretation of it was exactly kind of that models have to be one-on-one fights. So it's a bit of an eye-opener. I think I can't remember if it came up against Stephen or against Dave, either in a tournament or in a practice game, where they kind of explained, no, actually it works kind of it doesn't have to be strictly one-on-ones i think it was um, me in bristol and yeah. when you asked for clarification i said 
I've been playing the game for 10 years. This is how everyone plays it. Because I didn't have a, an actual reference for, for saying it. Um, Which I disagreed with. And was like, that's not a good enough reason. Yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, not a good enough reason. But then we played with it. It might have been in a battle report. It was. It was yeah. uh, in the Las Lorraine um, Rivendell versus your Lake Town Soup. Love it. Um, what else? Kind of... I think a lot of them are kind of common sense changes. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, most of them I think are common sense changes rather than kind of ones that kind of really change how I, how I've inter been interpreting the rules. Yeah, cool. Um, so moving on very quickly uh, to the most important part of any FAQ uh, is the community reactions. Um, this is just going to be a very brief segment because, again, if you're not watching it, you're not going to get the jokes. Uh, firstly, 30-point increase. Less than half of what I'd hoped for. Thanks. Uh, secondly, uh, it's a... Uh, well, if you're not looking at the memes, I'm not going to describe them for you. Um, this one really tickled me. This one really tickled me because I also think the Witch King should be there as well for obvious reasons. It's, um, it's a comic. But... It's, yeah, it's a comic where the Dragon Emperor is getting beaten up and just Black Newman Orange and Silly Down are hiding around the corner. Looking uh, scared. Stephen Denby audiobook coming soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jamie Wiggins. Wow, what a fun couple of hours. Unrelated note. Anyone after an Easterling army? I also have an Easterling army for sale. If I really no, you don't, because uh, just... I'm taking it off your hands, remember? No, sorry. Uh, if anyone wants to you... outbid Stephen for my Easterling <laughs> army, please comment below. <laughs> Michael Newell said, all I wanted was Grimbold on a horse. Hashtag justice for Grimbold. Yes, I agree, as previously stated. Uh, Grimbold should have a horse. They uh, won't and... do it for licensing reasons. No, they won't. Uh, tell me, when is the next MESBG errata for a much desired to be a hero of legend? Make uh, Teleporno a hero of legend. That's everyone's favourite elf cuckold, Teleporno. Teleporno, yes. His uh, correct uh, Sindar name, or is it Kenya? I can't quite remember. Quite remember. Um, so yeah, that's your little dose of memes. If you're not on the GBHL Facebook group uh, at FAQ time, you get about a day's worth of just quality and shit memes. Uh, it's beautiful and glorious. Uh, you should be on there. Moving on swiftly to our upcoming events for the next couple of weeks. Firstly, this weekend coming, we've got the Warhammer World GT in Nottingham. Exciting. At Warhammer World. Uh, it's 100 points. Uh, it's at Warhammer World. What, what more is there to say? Uh, it's going to be a good versus evil. I think it's 800 points. 700. I, uh, 700, sorry. I mean, um, I haven't actually seen the rules pack, but it has been good v evil 700 points for the last however yeah. many years. X so number of yeah, years, yeah. Yeah, it is that. I was trying to snipe a ticket. But if yeah, you've got I a ticket for sale for this tournament, comment below. I'll buy it off you. Yeah, for a free yeah. shout out. We'll trade a shout out for a ticket. <laughs> uh, yeah. We've got Angan Army's Rise, which is an 80 on the Sunday. And we've got Battle of Baradur. I think it's the fourth or fifth time round. They've been, been doing it since before COVID. I know that because yeah. I went in February 2020, which was well cursed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's a GBH or 90 again in London. Um, and then yeah. the weekend after that, we've got Gathering at the Grey Havens, Charles Sims uh, up in Preston, and the Monster Mash, GBHL80, with some cool, funky rules in Swindon. Uh, that's hosted by Tom Patterson. Um, so, Dave, we've got two 700-point-ish, I think, uh, GBHL100s. What's, yeah. what's your hot take on 
what's going to win? What should people be preparing for? I've got a feeling we're going to see a Minas Tirith on the podium at one of these two. I think Warhammer World has a likelihood to have a random Minas Tirith player just turn up on the podium. Yeah, uh, I think so, that's quite likely. Yeah, I think the one extra point at the Grey Havens get seven hundred one points makes uh, Minas Tirith just a lot more viable. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, no, uh, that's because Minas Tirith has got got stuff that's positioning it well based on some think, of the things we're seeing. I think or... Minas Tirith kind of nullifies some of the stronger evil armies at seven hundred. I think. Yeah, it does five, well into which five, five D seven troops does well into um, Dragon Emperor grinds well. Yeah. Uh, Gets pretty solid numbers on the board, solid might. Uh, Boromir himself is actually very hard to stop because he's uh, six might fight seven. Um, and cheeky little stuff like the Horn of Gondor makes him more and more reliable. Yeah. Uh, you have access, usually, it'll be either um, Madril and uh, Kirin or Madril and Kirian, depending on how many models you want. And both Kirian and uh, Hurin have resolve which is great for helping him deal with because you can spend their might essentially to make Boromir that much more durable against like double casters and whatnot against those pesky Angmars pesky witch kings um plus d7 means that you can walk into Urukai crossbow lines and not worry too much mm. uh, you don't need to necessarily need to have blind might for that mm. so yeah I think it's a solid shout uh evil wise I mean it could be all sorts um if Jared Charlie see... is going it'll be Isengard he is going, and I would be amazed if he didn't take Isengard or Assault Upon Helm's Deep. Although He's I think... been on a tear with the Isengard, some would say. He's just found something he likes. Keep using it until until someone stops him. Yeah, yeah. I'll pencil Jay in for an Isengard 100 podium on my spreadsheet yeah. already. Yeah. Obviously, I, obviously, Arnor is fantastic at 700. We know that. Hard to recommend because getting the models is a pain, and if you're going to Warhammer World, you better have some official models. Um... Or, or Games Workshop converted models, yes. Or you just never uh, let your opponents pick up your models. <laughs> Arno, yeah, Arno is great at 700. 50 models, it's ridiculous. Cool. Uh, moving on to the final segment, the most important segment. Comments. This is what Comments. everyone's here for. Firstly, uh, Jord of the Rings, which is a great, great YouTube name. Uh, thanks for the comments on my army, gents. Uh, I was tempted to convert Mount of Thorin, then realised I wasn't a millionaire. Uh, this is the Galathrim and yeah, uh, Thorin Hills. Iron Hills alliance, which we looked at last week's best painted. Uh, yeah, the the potential cost of converting Mounted Dwalin and Mounted Thorin uh, is yeah. pretty ridiculous if you're actually you, paying GW If you prices. buy them in the currently available versions where you have to buy the whole company... Don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> use the plastic. Use the plastic ones if you if you want to use official stuff. So the I've, secret is borrowing off your very talented painter friend. Yeah, I, that's what I've I've, been doing. I've converted the four dwarves onto goats, and I got the dwarves off eBay secondhand, just individual sprues, and they cost me four of them cost me half of the company. Um, that was before yeah. the price increase. So yeah, I was yeah, like I mean, 40, 45 quid for the four dwarves yeah. on foot to then convert onto goats which are like what at the time they were 45 good for three so yeah, yeah and the goats themselves are expensive enough anyway yes yeah, really so are. that's uh that's tough so i don't blame you at all george uh the only jp1 my identity will remain a mystery big fan of the pod what faction do you all think will have the most hundred podiums by the end of the year um Order. 
Mordor. If, yeah, realistically, Mordor. If I have anything to say about it, Rivendell. <laughs> on a late that, tear. Yeah, on a late tear right at the end of the year. When <laughs> Weirdly, all of the rankings get a bit mucked up. I don't know what will happen. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I'm also, confused, Stephen. I thought you were going for Dragon Emperor. Or is uh, that a secret? No, Dragon Emperor isn't a secret. I just like <laughs> to mix it up a little bit. I've got elves, and then there's better elves, which is Dragon Emperor. Now that they've been nerfed, it's okay for you to play them. <laughs> As I say, I've literally owned the models for like over a year. Uh, now I feel okay to play it. Gen- you know, well. the, the, gen- the FAQ has genuinely wanted me to want, like, made me want to paint up my Dragon Emperor. Exactly. Just uh, to prove everyone wrong. Well, I think um, most people, I think it's probably more common um, opinion that it wasn't enough of a nerf. I've seen more than. Yeah. More than the opposite. Yeah. Um, Fat Hobbit Gaming, Lian Smith. Lian. Nice to hear Lian. from you guys again. Lian, please sort your apostrophization out. It is killing me. Um, I will always accept donations to my dice hoard. So question for you. You mentioned different points levels throughout the year. What's your favorite points level to play the game at and why? Eight hundred. Uh, Eight hundred plus for me. I like having the big toys. Because that's the perfect points level for Vanquishers. I... 799 because he can't play against Vanquish. <laughs> uh, my ideal tournament is, funnily enough, probably unnumbered tiers because it's a thousand points, no legendary legions. So there's no Black Riders, there's no Vanquishers. And you get sick toys and you get good game length. I would go six to 700. Boo. We're I... all Irish fans here. We like the big my... points. My reasoning for 800 is um, I think 600 plus is really where the game comes into its own, but I like 800 because you can basically get everything. Yeah, I think you anything know, lower than 600 a... you get a bit too swingy. There's a lot of variety at 800. Yeah, below 600 it becomes it can become a very, very complicated game of rock, paper, scissors in some ways. Yeah, uh, And sometimes just one bit of bad luck just shafts you. Just always is, go rock. It's true in a lot. Well, yeah, it's true in a lot of um, a lot of like levels that you can get shafted by one bit of bad luck. But at four fifty or five hundred, it feels very present. Like your big hero flubbing one crucial opportunity, you probably don't have another shot after that. At least with eight hundred, your big hero dying, like losing your Gandalf or something really early, you still have, you know, you're still you're still flying half a ship. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Seth Clark, 6895. Two questions. Are there any unpopular heroes you run and why? And where can I get my hands on some AH dice? Do you guys Ooh. have a shop? Uh, regarding the dice, um, that's kind of an ongoing discussion. We yeah. give them out to people we play at events, if we've still got any. I personally um, have spent like a ridiculous amount of money on giving out dice. Yeah. Might if anybody comes up to me at an event with proof on their YouTube that you've commented on an episode of the pod, uh, I'll give you a dice. <laughs> while supplies last yeah that's a, yeah, it's a good advice good, uh, yeah. well, I give uh, out personal dice of myself but only to people I absolutely smash so and why that's, that's, is that why I've got so many <laughs> um, unpopular heroes you run and why uh, I like Aristotle oh, yeah. I just think he's neat I don't think he's very good I think he, he is a potato that's correct he's a bit of a potato uh, but I just I, I just think he's quite fun also Elfhelm uh, not everyone rates him I do yeah, I um, I only I play popular heroes because I'm a dirty meta chaser. Correct. 
doesn't help. Um, Dewey, <laughs> tell us about the Mahood King and Siladan. They're not unpopular heroes. Depends on your definition of definition of unpopular. Uh, yeah, I was great, say, great Beast of Gorgoroth. It makes Dewey unpopular, but... Hey, I've won my spotting with Great Beast of Gorgoroth. Thank you very much. You've also got zero <laughs> most sporting votes with Grace Be- Great Beast of Gorgoroth at a different tournament. Yeah, and those tournaments are about two weeks apart. <laughs> <laughs> The novelty um, wore off real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, um Mr. Partridge has played my piece. Is that a euphemism? Twice. I think my my favourite unpopular hero is probably uh I really like the Hobbit heroes. I wanna I, I'm trying to find an excuse to run um Defenders of the Shire with Rosie and Sam. I think that's mm. a funny combo. Um, I'm pretty certain, Dave, all hero Defenders of the Shire Legendary Legion comes in at about 600 points. No, it doesn't. Uh, it comes in at about 300. I was going to say, that's definitely not correct. It's <laughs> more than that. Or maybe all Shire heroes. Uh, so, quickly, uh, unpopular, oh, unpopular I hero. I did the math at one point. Uh, Birda. Oh, yeah. Lang Marlist. I read uh, Birda. And I wouldn't say he's unpopular, but probably he's definitely Dwayne, like... And probably doing uh, here. Yeah, what's he doing here? Bird is like Gwali's little brother. Yeah. Um, Ads157 says, new player here. I'm playing Rise of Theoden and was wondering what a good way to do with monsters. Thanks. Love the podcast and all the battle reports. Uh, we were meant to have Elliot on. Uh, unfortunately, he's unavailable. However, I play Riders of Theoden quite a lot. Um, in fact, I've got Amy right here on my desk. Proof. Um, there's two things you can do with monsters in general. Either you deal with them immediately in one go or you ignore them and feed them one model a turn. Less, you, less, sorry, go on. If you have a Royal Guard, they're really good for getting rid of monsters because you just charge a Royal Guard into them. Make sure you can't be hurled or barged uh, in an effective manner. Saw it. The alternative is you charge in with a hero and a bunch of other guys and you kill it in one turn. Yeah, I mean, strike. Riders of Theoden have plenty of access. So if it's a monster hero, you have to be a bit more careful. Um, yeah. But if it's a monster hero, you can do a fun thing where you charge, say, um, Aemir and Theoden into a nearby fella. You can strike combat. You can get your, uh, you can get your um, check your strike has gone high enough before yeah. you commit to fighting the monster. So like yeah. Aemir strikes Theoden combats. Um, Aemir goes up to fight 10, Theoden, you kill the model you're fighting, and then you can charge safely charge them both in, knowing that you've got a very good chance of getting the 6 with all your might, and um, once you've got the, you can just dump all your might on killing it. If it's a big problem, if it's a massive piece, if it's something like a cave troll, um, you can probably just charge two guys in, strike, and kill it in one. Yeah. But if you're if talking it... like fell beasts or great eagles, it's a bit more complicated. Yeah. Bears, if it's, if it's a big, quite, if it's a big piece... Don't yeah. be afraid to charge in two strikers and strike with both. Yes, yeah, you Just, have more than enough. Especially when you start at fight five, yeah, because yeah. yeah. fight five and they're if they're starting at fight seven, you don't want to risk it. I've done this a lot with like Suladan the Witch King. It's not obviously not Riders of Theoden, but it's the same principle. You've got two fight five strikers, and you're like, well, each one of them has a one in three chance of going to ten, but with both of them doing it, you have a much better odd. Like I always do yeah. that if I'm fighting like Guahir or Bayorn yeah. or like. Glorfindel or something that has fight fight seven or higher. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in summary, don't be afraid to blow your might. Uh, strike combat, and if you can't deal with it, uh, chuck a raw guard in, 
dismount your royal guard and just shield against it if you have to. Um, um, briefly going back to the last question, uh, Defenders of the Shire here only is 550 points, uh, 19 models. You can see the uh, the full list on the screen now. Wow, what an amazing list. Amazing list. Give, I love Rosie Cotton give, so much. Why don't Sounds... you give Fred of a pony? What are you, a hater? <laughs> Sounds like you should be running that to a 550 point event later in the year, John. Yes, John. Uh, I can't yeah, face... I struggle I've to got, try all, and bring this podcast I have to a natural close Fate because is. people are talking about comments for far too long. Uh, sorry, what was that? I uh, just going on a rant. Uh, M Moot videos, uh, shout out Harry Parkhill, M Moot podcast. Top Bants, you requested a question. So here is here it is. Uh, why isn't the Golden King of Rabrican in all lists ever? Uh, short answer, Suladan and Dragon Emperor. Uh, I think the Golden King of Rabrican is very good, but he's 15 points more than Sildan, and Sildan is a better hero, hero legend but just has a six inch banner. Yeah, Golden King is gimmicky and exciting, but he doesn't have March Strike and Resolve and a six inch banner. So, fight for base, actually, yeah, yeah, fight for base four attacks. Burly is pretty cool though, and also mm-hmm. he has a crazy base, which means he can like he can trap <laughs> models against walls by himself, which is funny. He can yeah. drift, yeah, yeah, he can do all sorts of weird stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah, cool model, <laughs> but he's not Sildan. Yeah, short answer. Unfortunately, Sildan is uh, eternally too good value, and that's basically why he's good. Moving on, uh, yep. <laughs> Hobby Hobbits thirty three. See, I've I've shut everyone up now with my rant. Sorry, guys. Uh, Bill the Pony does not, in fact, get eaten by the Watcher, but escapes and is reunited with Sam. I told I you, get Yeah, eaten. see, for some reason, I was under the uh, under that impression. I was wrong. Uh, I apologize. Yeah. Um, he, he kicks Bill Fernie. He does kick Actually, Bill Fernie. No, Thomas has mentioned As that per Thomas comments. Denny's comment below. So thanks for yeah. the correction. Always appreciate uh, letting us know when we're wrong. It, um, was, a, it was a lie to get you to engage. Baited. Means I don't have to paint Bill the Pony for the narratives. Exactly. Luke Sen Shine 4886 says, Let's go, Dunland. Uh, agreed. Let's go, Dunland. Damn right. Let's um, go, Dunland. Are we going to Dunland next weekend Let's or like the week after? Or... I think he was um, commenting on the fact that someone won a tournament with Dunland. I think it was Alex yeah. News. It, was, it wasn't Ali King, though. So, you know. It was Finn Stunnyforth. It was. Up in Dundee. Up in Dunland. My Scots and Irish mixed up. They'll hate that. Um, Ads157 comments. What do you mean by 90s? Um, it was explained it was, in the comment replies, but there's the three. Era of, Human civilization in which we were all born. Ooh. No further comments. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Apart um, from what Stephen's going to say. As a rankings officer, it's my duty to inform you that there are three uh, three types of tournaments in the GBHL scene. That there's eighties, nineties, and hundreds. Uh, it's basically qualified by the amount of points that the pole position first gets you. Uh, so if you win a GBHL one hundred, you get hundred points. GBHL ninety gets you ninety points. GBHL eighty gets you eighty points, and then the points remaining are divided by the remaining players um at the end of the year your six best scores contribute towards your placing in the year so if you win 600s you get 600 points uh if you win 690s and those are your six best scores you only get 540 points hence the difference in competitiveness uh hundreds are worth more points uh 90s tend to be slightly more competitive than 80s 
but you can still expect to have, you know, like a good fun, chill time, have some laughs. Not that you can't do that at hundreds. It's just, you know, where you stand in terms of what type of event you're going to. That, that's the idea. Kyoto hundreds are national competitive events. Nineties are regional competitive events. People will travel further for Kyoto hundreds. Kyoto eighties are wacky and fun events. What the boss said. Yes, boss. Uh, uh, David Gravy Two says we can't come on the pod. Okay, don't then. <clears throat> as you all say, such great content, and thus I can't rate it. As you sat there, you sat, you sat barely anything stupid or controversial uh, quite a few spelling mistakes there david i think you've had too much gravy uh, apart from the intern who is a meta chasing lost in the sauce. with no personality <laughs> and no friends um yeah. thanks david gravy what we're gonna have to call hr regarding that because that's quite offensive to our intern no nah, he's right he's cooking <laughs> um yeah i mean we got one review from david gravy uh and then he didn't do another one so i'm quite upset I... with him Am I muting any chat about the gravy boy, or are we leaving it in? Nah, we're leaving it in. Fine. I'm sure Gotta let him get his kicks somehow, you know. Just for kicks. Yeah. Right. Well, that was a podcast. Yeah. Talk about podcasts, am I right? Woohoo. Woohoo. Uh, sorry for the somewhat frantic pace towards the end, everyone. I was yeah, uh, realised we talked way too long about things that don't matter early on in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Let's go. Yeah, apologies. We try and keep these two somewhere near an hour. This was not quite near an hour. We'll okay. we'll do better next time. Hour and a half is okay. Um, I'm tired, boss. <laughs> I'm tired, boss. <laughs> uh, firstly, thank you very much, Dewey, for coming on. Uh, That's and right. also for, for providing me. photos. Um we will provide links, hopefully, to Guardians uh, of Wiltshire in the description, etc. Intern, that's your job. Um, anything you want to plug before you go? Your movement shenanigans, your your basey things, your uh, 3D prints? Yeah, uh, Discord has it all. If you message the Guardians of Wiltshire Facebook page, you'll get an automatic message that has a link to that kind of stuff uh running 190 later in the year i've just been looking at the rules pack for 100 today yeah. tickets will be out soon i'd just like to thank uh guardians wiltshire for becoming the official sponsor of the podcast and providing us with unlimited 3d printed parts and uh gaming aids it's very kind i will yes, thank take you. it in exchange for something else john we can discuss that later. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I like the implications. There. It's like we're going to talk about prescriptions, John. <laughs> prescriptions. Yeah. Anyway. Definitely going to have to mute that bit. <laughs> um, yep. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember to comment, like, share, subscribe, support your Hobbit hobby. Uh, remember to get your three D prints from Dewey specifically. Um, happy strategy battle gaming, and uh, remember to leave your comments below. Um, Just a chitter. Chitter chitter. Keep See chitter chattering later. in our comment section. Uh, one question I did forget, which hopefully John is going to edit in somewhere. Sorry, John, for the additional editing. Uh, your fellow co-hosts, Snog, Marry, Avoid. Um...
I would define my fellow co-hosts as John, Josh, and Elliot. Sorry, Dave, uh, you're not an official uh, any heroics <laughs> member. Um, I would. Oh, that's a difficult one. I would snog Josh. I would marry Elliot, and I would avoid John. Sorry, John. Ooh, he's ruined you. <laughs> 